Honestly, TJ, am I asking for too much for the Minnesota Timberwolves to just disappear out of my life? Because my life would be a lot more easier if they weren't in it. Twenty twenty one, year eighteen, and there is still no sign of LeBron James slowing down. Best player in the world by a mile. The Lakers will repeat as twenty twenty one NBA champions. It's time for the Triple Threat Podcast. Here are your hosts, PJ Severo and Stephen Strong. And welcome aboard here to the Triple Thread Podcast, episode 105. Stephen Strong, TJ Severo, a lot to get into. AFC, NFC Championship reactions. We're set for the Super Bowl on February 7th. Um, but today, we begin with something special close to our hearts. Let's first start by introducing TJ Severo. TJ, how are you today? How you doing? I'm good, dude. Fresh off the uh, COVID rapid test where I tested negative and I'm good to go. Congratulations. So, Congratulations. Ready, ready to come here and talk talk some sports, man. Yeah, and today is a special day. Um, one day that we'll never forget, me and you. And one year ago today, Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant and seven other human beings lost their lives on a helicopter crash. And, I, I you know, just to recall that day, Teach, I remember it was a Sunday. We yeah. had a... Uh, we had a game that day. Bear down. Uh, Bear Kirkson. down basketball. Yep. Bear down league. I remember like, I, I forget where I was. I think I might've had a Princeton game and I was kind of hustling back because there was a, it was a mid afternoon game and I was at a Wendy's drive through. And I remember going on Twitter and actually I got a group. I got a message from my group chat and be like, Oh my God, Kobe. And I was like, what is that? You know, is he sick? Did he get into an accident? And then I saw TMZ report it. And you kind of like, you hold your breath because TMZ, they're credible, but sometimes they're not. Like, they're just, they don't have the best rep. I think that's the biggest thing. And I just could not fathom. It was just something that you couldn't quite realize or put through your head. And it was just awful. And I remember the day at Bear Down, everyone was just kind of despondent. Like you were dejected when I saw you, it was just yeah. a really, really rough day. The, that day it it's my memory of it, Steve is I was at like this, like really nice resort spa the entire weekend. Right. For my grandmother's birthday. Cause today's my grandma's birthday. So shout out to my grandma. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday grandma. grandma. Yep. She, um, so I'm watching the game, the Lakers game, Steve, the previous night, right? With Brianna at this suite. And LeBron was about to pass Kobe for third all-time scoring in Philadelphia, right? In Philly, yep. And he had Kobe on his shoes, right? Like he wrote Kobe's name on his shoes. And Brianna said to me, she's like, why, why did he do that? Did, did Kobe die? And I was like, wow. no, Kobe didn't die. Like he's, you know... Kobe, Kobe's alive. Like Kobe did not die. He, he's just about to pass him in scoring. The next day, Kobe Bryant dies. And I was just like, that is the craziest thing of all time. Like this conversation I had the night before where I've never even heard like, oh, is Kobe dead? Like no one has ever said that. For There's never been a reason for anyone to say that. And then the next day, he tragically passes away. I remember being in the Bear Down parking lot, Steve. Like I, I, got, I got home. And went straight to bear down from the resort. Like it was like an hour and a half away, came home, went straight to bear down. I was crying in the car on the way there. Like 
it was crazy to me. Like Kobe Bryant is when you think of sports and people that made you fall in love with the game of basketball, like yep. it was Kobe and LeBron for our childhood. Like those were the guys, those were the two. And he was the face of the NBA and he was, you know, the best player in the NBA for some time. And uh, just a true icon and inspiration to a lot of people that are in the basketball world. So anytime this date comes around, it's going to be hard. The Lakers won the championship last year. Like, you know, they said, uh, Mamba on three every time they broke the huddle. Yep. So it's um, you know, it's uh, it's just crazy to think that it was only one year ago. Steve feels like ten. You know, this is a, a local podcast, so the majority of the audience can relate to this. But the same way I feel about Kobe and Gigi, and we yeah. talked about that on Sunday night because you came over to record. The same way that I and you felt about Kobe and Gigi is the same way that we felt about Zach and Jude, this inability to process the events that happen, the powerlessness to change anything in the incomprehensible way of how we lost these people. I think we both will never be able to truly wake up, surmount and conquer this idea that we're not going to see these guys again until we ultimately pass on. And for those four people there, you know, you look at certain people as non-human in the sense that they're like gods, like they're, they're, they're bigger than life. And I think I can honestly say that like the stigma that you had about Kobe. And if you were around Zach was they were perfect humans. Like they, they were, you know, obviously Kobe had his struggles, uh, different times of his career. But I think for Zach, man, like this was the poster child. This was the, you didn't look at him at the same level. Like he was on this pedestal. So the events that followed, it was just, it made it that much tougher that like, holy crap, if it can happen to these people, it can happen to anyone kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, Steve, it, I love that, that we do this and we could talk on this podcast, like just anyone out there who's listening to this, just Steve, what Steve just said, very true, very well said. Uh, me and Steve became like, me and Steve were always close. We became way closer after Zach passed, obviously. Yeah. Just bringing up all the mutual memories together and, you know, things like that. Um, the thing with Zach, Steven, I think me and you were both on this and it's the same way we felt about Kobe. It's just like, how does this happen? One, like you want to know the answers, how this is even possible. And two, like my initial thought, I'll never forget when my parent, my dad woke me up at 6 a.m. to tell me that Zach had gone into a car accident and passed away along with Jude, along with Jude, excuse me. And, um, my first reaction was you're like, they're already dead. Like there's no, there's not even a, a chance. Like there's no, I can't say goodbye. Like there's no slither of hope. Like I can't go see him in the hospital. Even if his eyes are closed, like there's none of that. And they were like, no, it's, you know, he's been pronounced dead. He's he's him and Jude are gone. And just like, you still can't process it. I yep. pass the kid's house every single day on my way to and from work. I, you know, I see his sisters, I see his mother it's just, it's very tough to process that he's still gone. And um, with Kobe Bryant, all the people to relate it back to that with the NBA world, it's just, it's tough. It's tough to process it. Vanessa Bryant had a really good quote the other day talking about how, you know, some days like she's perfectly fine and, you know, she's laughing and smiling. And then the next minute she's like, I can't believe this happened. And at any time it, that, you know, that feeling could come and it's just, your prayers are out to people who have to, you know, like immediate family members and loved ones who deal with things like that on the daily. Um, I talked about mental health a little bit on the Bree and Teach podcast, but anyone out there who's ever listened to me and Steve, I know Steve is super solid as well. And when I can say this, if anyone out there is ever dealing with any mental health struggles, anything, 
always reach out. Yep. I'll never turn someone down. Anytime anyone wants to talk, even if it's just a little sports conversation, a little sports debate, I'm always down to talk. I I I can't. I I'm with you on that, man. I I think that that's so important to be able to have these discussions because a lot of us and you know there are people out there that just want to bury it, and I think you're taught to bury it, uh, especially as a male. You know, like I don't want to get into the whole mental health thing, but I think especially if you're a guy, you know, you're taught to tough it out and you're taught to you know bury it and move on, and you know you have this kind of old blue collar mentality, the white collar mentality that you know, was pretty much raised. Like, you know, I can at least speak for, for my dad. Like that was never a thing, right? Like I, I bet Tommy Savaro, like he never talked about, you know, his feelings in front of his folks. I, I, I want to assume, um, but that's kind of changing now. And I think it's definitely helping because I have days, man, where I, I think about, I mean, there's really not a day where I don't, cause I have it tattooed on my wrist, ZA 49. Yeah. There's not a day where I don't think about it. And it can just be as simple seeing like a 49 on a, on a car or, uh, on an exit or whatever. Like I can honestly say that almost every day you do sort of your, your mind wanders and you do struggle and you do talk about it. But when you can have someone and I have TJ that kind of was in the shoes of, of mine and knew Zach very well, it's different when you're just opening up to a stranger that never knew these two and talking about them, because as much as they can say, Oh, I get it. I understand. I know you really don't. You don't. You don't understand the impact and what these two did on on this community and for a lot of people. So, I, I again, I, I I'm I'm on with you, Tej, with the whole mental health and being able to speak, man. Steve, I loved it. I loved the conversation. Great start to the podcast. Yeah. Rest in peace, Zach. Rest in peace, Jude. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, and all the other people who have been affected by tragic losses. Amen to that. And there's no easy way to segue into our next segment, but we are going to do that and we're going to tough through this. And there's a lot of great football conversation to be had. And let's begin with the NFC championship that was on Sunday, Buccaneers and Packers bucks end up winning 31, 26 Brady versus Rogers Brady, 20 of 36, 280 yards, three, three touchdowns, but three interceptions. Like if you would have told me TJ Savaro that Tom Brady was going to throw three picks in a playoff game, I was going to tell you Green Bay was going to beat him by double digits easily. And Rodgers, 33 of 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Give me some of your reaction from this game on Sunday, TJ. My first reaction, Steve, has nothing to do with football. Um, me and Steve, we don't edit the podcast. We don't, there's no cuts. There's never a cut. We go straight and then we post it right away. Yeah. Steve just flipped the switch in the middle in a split second from a dead serious conversation. Just like that snap of a finger. He's back. I try, man. Mode, I try. Laying it out. <laughs> Steve is a beast. Give, give Steve his flowers, man. Steve's a beast. Um, the Packers, Steve, this has seemed like the, uh, it seemed like the same old song and dance at first where the Packers get to the big game and then just, it doesn't go right for them. Yeah. But they're down 28 to 10. They scratch and clog it back in the game. Brady throws three picks and seven attempts and you go three and out and you don't convert. And Rodgers was good. He wasn't great. Could have done way wasn't more. Great. Yep. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. Aaron Rodgers was good. Not great. Brady was, I guess, decent. He threw three picks, turned the ball over, but he made plays. Um, had that bad, it was a, it could have been a really bad meltdown for Brady. The narrative, say if the Packers convert on these interceptions and they end up winning the game, what would the conversation be around Tom Brady today? Like, yeah, it would be, oh, he threw three interceptions and now they're out of the playoffs. Like, is Tom Brady done? Like that kind of a thing. But 
with Green Bay, um, and especially, you know, I, I wish I, I got to listen to this Aaron Rodgers Tuesday that he was just on Pat McAfee. Like, I wish I had some quotables from Rodgers and exactly how he feels about the game for you. But um, I, I saw a little clip of him talking. He said, you know, obviously everyone wants to talk about the field goal. He said he thought they had four downs after the game. He said he was uncertain with his future. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he was he was pissed. And that's that's, you know, Rightfully that's the emotions so. of the game. Yeah, it's the emotions of the game, and that's what happens. I think Aaron Rodgers will probably be back on Green Bay for at least another season, and then I think he has an out in his contract. And, Steve, if you remember what I said, I said I think he ends up in New Orleans. Drew Brees is going to be out. I think they'll play a year with a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers will end up there after next season. That is still my prediction. But back to the game, uh, the, the you know, you got to let Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, it, it's easy to be, you know, 2020 or Monday morning quarterback, but – uh you got to let Rodgers throw it, man. You got to let Rodgers go for it on that fourth down. Like it's Aaron Rodgers, the MVP. You guys have been phenomenal in the red zone the entire season. You call it the gold zone. Like you got to get in there and you know, it's easier for Aaron Rodgers to get eight yards and score a touchdown than it is for you to stop Tom Brady from getting one first down. Yep. In my opinion, that's the way I'll always look at those kind of situations. Uh, we gave Matt LaFleur a lot of praise on the last podcast we did, Steve, and my dad completely sent me a, a text saying, you know, tell Steve that Tom Brady in the cold, it's a myth. Uh, it was never an issue. Matt LaFleur, <laughs> the jackass, like he was just going off. So. Uh, I mean, listen, Brady played. I, I agree. I mean, Brady, Brady played well. Like I, I thought that he had really great moments where I'm like, damn, this is like vintage Tom. And then I had other ones where I'm like, what are you doing? Kind of thing. Like he was, he was yeah. good. Like, I don't think he was, he was great, but I don't think he was bad. He did enough for his team to win. Um, so I don't think Tom Brady was necessarily great. And we'll get into the Super Bowl and what I think, and I have a good take on it. But I put up a poll before this game, Teej, and I said, who do you think is under the most pressure as a quarterback going into this weekend? And it was unanimous, Aaron Rodgers. And yes. I agreed. I, I really was in agreement with that. I, you know, you, you just, just take a look at him real quick. There's no pressure on Tom Brady. That man's legacy is solidified. Nobody's saying nothing to him if he loses at Lambeau Field. You look at Josh Allen. He's 24 years old. He'll be right back. I think the Bills will be right back. Mahomes, come on. Are we really going to get on Mahomes? Guy's going to win another Super Bowl. But Aaron yeah. Rodgers, I think there is a lot of people now. Like, the jury is, uh, there's a little bit of a taint on his legacy. The last four NFC championships. Now you've lost at home to the Bucks. You lost to San Francisco. You lost to Seattle. And you lost to Atlanta. So you're 0-4 in your last four NFC championship games. And he had an opportunity on that last drive, TJ. I don't know if you really watched the room that he had in front of him to be able to run. He had a chance, man. He could have he tucked that thing and ran. Um, but I am in agreement with you, and we'll get into LaFleur now. I just I couldn't get over the fact that there are so many good things that can happen on a fourth down with Aaron Rodgers uh, versus the bat, right? Like, yeah. for, for one, you make Tom Brady because you need to score a touchdown regardless. The field goal to me was such an idiotic move. It's not like it's a four-point, uh, like a, um, a six-point game where you can cut it to a field goal or something. It's an eight point game. Like you're going to cut it to five to what? Like, were you that cocky that you were going to get the ball back and you wanted to score and win? I just think you make Tampa Bay drive down 40 yards and kick a daggering field goal to put you up 11 instead of kicking a field goal and giving them the ball, you know, at midfield. It's just, it was out of the ordinary for me. And if I'm that Matt LaFleur, I'm not sleeping. It's not all on him, but the fact that you're in that moment, and you're back-to-back 13-3 seasons, you call it the gold zone, you got to go for it there, Teach. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the Aaron Rodgers leg- legacy question, in, in my opinion, it doesn't. I've already thought like this of Rodgers. I've, I have Rodgers as the second best quarterback I've seen. Mahomes will probably take that over and be either second or first, depending on when his career is over. But best quarterbacks I've ever seen, I would put Rodgers over Peyton Manning as well. But the thing with Peyton Manning, Steve, and I guess this is this. Let me ask you this: If Rodgers has a Peyton Manning Super Bowl uh, win with the Broncos, like where he threw 12 touchdowns, 18 interceptions was benched <laughs> for Brock Osweiler midway through the season yeah. comes back and is carried by his defense to win a super bowl. Like does that enhance his legacy? Cause to me, it wouldn't like, to no. me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't at all. And I because think- anyone with the brain doesn't give Peyton Manning that super bowl. They it gives it yes. to the team of the, the, yeah. the Denver Broncos. Yes. I would have, I would have uh Rogers playing until he's, I don't know. Brady's at 43 right now. Rogers is 37 years old or 37, 38 years old. He looked phenomenal this year. Like Rogers looked phenomenal this year. Some would say, well, we're touchdowns. Yep. Uh, yeah, some will say it's the best season of his career. So I don't think he's anywhere near done. And if he, by some chance does get out of green Bay, Steve, if he ended up on a team like the 49ers. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I no, think, I, I would, I would agree. I think, I think they'd be, I think 49ers, Colts, Saints. I don't know. I think there's a lot of really good. I, even though I think Green Bay is good, I still think there's some other, possibly even better, uh, football situations out there. You put them down there in New Orleans with that defense and uh, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I think, I think that's a team right there. Yeah, I'm not buying stock in him not being in Green Bay though, TJ. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think that he, I don't think he ultimately ends up leaving. I would be shocked if he wasn't well, in a Green when, Bay uniform. When, Wait, so I'm not so not so you're saying for this season? Yeah, I'm I'm just saying in general in his career. I don't I don't think Rodgers ends up oh in a different God. place. That's it. I saw um Greeny on get up say it that there's no like when, when a team drafts a quarterback, there's never been a time where they don't eventually move off the other guy. Like if you draft the replacement, the replacement is going to get his chance to play. Like, so you think that if Aaron Rodgers, are you are you in the same boat as me thinking he has five years left, five, six years? I don't know if he has five, six years left. I think he's probably got like two more, like a cream of the crop kind of years. And then I think he'll be, you know, a, a good quarterback. I actually take back what I said. I, I, I could see him moving off because I think it's a good point that eventually you do kind of have to push the, the bird out of the nest kind of thing where to. they did with, with Favre kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's just hard for me right now. When you look at Rogers sort of at the top of his game that, uh, that, you know, he, 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 you know, the Packers letting him go. So it's hard for me to kind of fathom that. I, I did want to add this to teach because I feel like another guy uh, should also be to blame here on, on Sunday. And that's Kevin King. This man had a rough, rough day on Sunday afternoon, including the end of the first half, which I think changed the entire game. I mean, you look at the end of the score teach uh, the bucks end up winning by five. They needed every last ounce of points and, at the end of the half, Kevin King gets lost, and and originally the Bucks were going to actually punt. Bruce Arian sends Brady back onto the field. Scotty Miller gets behind the defense, and, and let's be honest, Joe, let's not beat around a uh, bush here. The reason Scotty Miller gets you know open here, no one thinks Scotty Miller's going to get by Kevin King. I mean, Kevin King probably looked at Scotty Miller and said, "All right, three receivers are all the way to the right here," and Kevin King pretty much underestimates. 
Scotty Miller and deliver and and Brady just delivers a beautiful ball uh, to to put the to put the book the the Bucks up here twenty eight ten. Yeah, it was a, a devastating blow, and it's just little things like that in, in the playoffs. It's it, you know you take your foot off the gas for one second, you get burned, and that's the game, Steve. So I feel like it's been the same old song and dance of the Packers. They just never get it done in these big moments. Last they have lost their last four NFC Championship games that they've been in. People thought this one may be differently because they're at home. Nope. Same old song and dance to them, Steve. Yep. And um, again, I, that ultimately ended up costing them when you look at the final score, 31-26. And look, I, I don't – I guess let's just do percentage of the blame before we move on to the AFC yeah. championships. <sighs> I would say that the majority of this game, I think, falls under the Packers' defense. I think – a slice of it goes to Matt LaFleur. And I yeah. think a, I think a, a really small percentage of it goes to Rodgers. I can't kill Rodgers for this game. I mean, 33 of 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns. Do I think that the Packers were as sharp offensively? No, but they still put up 26 points. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and blame Rodgers for the entirety of this game. Uh, I would say I would probably say Rogers deserves a little bit more blame than you just gave him. Not okay. not the majority, not the majority of it, but you know you you have chances to capitalize there. You get you know your defense forces some turnovers for you, and you go three and out. It, you know you got to capitalize on, on those uh, on those mistakes by the other side over there. So I would probably say twenty five percent Rogers, twenty five percent Lafleur, and then fifty percent you know the defense getting torched. So Tampa early moves on and early in the game, getting torched early in the game. Fair, fair enough. All right. So Tampa moves on first time going to the Super Bowl since 2002. I think it is. That's when uh, John Gruden ended up beating the Oakland Raiders. Ironic now that Gruden is now with the Raiders, but um, Tampa Bay is going back to the Super Bowl and they're going to be able to play in front of their hometown Tampa. We know that that's where the Super Bowl is the last time. There was an opportunity for a team to play in front of their state was the Vikings. We know that 2017 uh, AFC championship though, Bill's chiefs. Um, let's get into a little bit of that teach 38, 24, the chiefs win Mahomes 29 of 38, 325 yards, three touchdowns Tariq Hill, nine receptions, 172 yards. I was thinking of you teach and thinking to myself, maybe TJ is right about Hill and then Kelsey, 13 receptions, 118 yards, two touchdowns, just too much chiefs for the bills to handle. Steve, I, I would like to say that uh, Tyreek Hill being the best player in football, my call last year before the Super Bowl last season, um, that might be my best call. Like I said, <laughs> it's, it, it's not, it, it might not be correct, but just the fact that no one even had that on the radar, and I was just like, I don't know what people are missing here. If this guy has a foot of space, it's over. Over. It's, oh. it's over. It's 70 yards. It's a 20-yard first down. It's uh, it's it's just something that devastates your defense every single time he catches the ball. Tyreek, even on the misses, Steve, even on the plays where they don't connect, it's like, Jesus Christ, that could have been 50 yards. That could have been a touchdown. That could have been a first down. Like, it, it's ridiculous. This guy, Tyreek Hill, presents such a threat to the defense on every single play. It's why you see Miko Hardman be able to – you know, bounce back after a, a bad partner. That's why Travis Kelsey, and yeah. Travis Kelsey obviously is a huge reason as to why Tyreek Hill has success as well. But that that duo is just devastating. And then you add in Mahomes, who's the most talented quarterback probably of all time. And just, you know, Mahomes, oh, you know, he's got a bad ankle. Yeah, sure. He's making guys miss in the backfield, throwing the ball down the field, slinging it for first downs every single time. 
And, you know, I, I TJ could easily come on here right now. I could easily come on here right now and, and kill Josh Allen. I don't want to do that. I think the Chiefs are a buzzsaw that whoever it was, it could have been Baltimore. It could have been any other team, the Steelers, any other team, the Browns, any other team, the AFC, it was going to be a buzzsaw when you play Kansas City. And I think, you know, not to get, you know, my Super Bowl pick, I've had Kansas City to win it the entire year, Steve. Yeah. It's just becoming ridiculous at this point. Like these guys, they, they don't lose football games. It's 30 out of the 31 games that Mahomes played. He's won now. His last 31, it's, it's, uh, it's getting ugly. It's a little bit ridiculous. It is. Did you did you see the stat that they put up that Mahomes hadn't lost by more than a possession since like yeah. two thousand and like eighteen? Like I I forget when it was. It was I think it was when he was back in college. But to me, what does that tell you? That tells you if this team plays just like an A game, you have no chance. You have like no uh, chance. Eventually, you're gonna have a hiccup. And listen, the Chiefs have had a couple of games where we look at them and say, oh, well, they weren't great today, but they still won." Like that is scary that he hasn't lost by more than a possession and that many times. Like it is insane to think. Uh, to piggyback on what you were saying about Hill, it just feels like when they go like to a bubble screen and Hill gets 15 yards, you still feel like the defense is like. Oh, like, thank God. You know what I'm saying? And if you're at that point, like, you know, you're in too deep. Like if Tariq Hill and you're, 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 you know, breathing heavy and, and a sigh of relief after giving up 15 yards, man, you know how special this dude must be. So I I'm sort of, I'm starting to jump a little bit on the TJ bandwagon of Tariq Hill, possibly, you know, I know you think he's the best wide receiver in the game. I still can argue on that. I don't think, I think he's, he's the best player. I think he's the best player. Best player. Okay. I, I know you think Outside he's the best player in the game Outside too. Yeah. Um, so I, listen, I'm not going to go as far as that, but nonetheless, Tariq Hill is something special and something that I've never seen before on a football field. Going to Josh Allen, 28 yeah. of 48, 287, two touchdowns and interception. Look, Buffalo had a chance in this game. Like they had a chance early. They, they went up nine, nothing. They got the muff punt. Um, it just felt like towards the end of that first half, they decide to kick the field goal. I don't agree with it. I think you're in the AFC championship. You're in Arrowhead. You ain't going to beat the Chiefs kicking field goals. You got to go for it there, I thought. And I understand the mindset. You want to get points going into the half, but ultimately yeah. you need to score touchdowns at a insanely high clip to beat the Chiefs. And I thought that the mindset of the Bills, they got a little bit too uh, – uh, laid back about the aggressiveness. Steve, the Kansas City Chiefs score every single time they touch the football. <laughs> I think Mahomes' first 10 drives of the playoffs resulted in all scores except for one, and the one was a missed field goal. So they are literally in position to score every single time they touch the ball. I think Josh Allen in this game, like it could have – him losing doesn't hurt his stature at all because he no. had a great season. And, and, you know, he wasn't expected to win this game. But him coming out and, and being better than Mahomes on this day, which some people, some people out there thought it was possible that it could happen. Uh, he could come out here and outdo Mahomes. It just shows that there's, you know, there's a clear gap between Mahomes and Josh Allen. And if you want to – some people think Josh Allen's second-best quarterback in the AFC. I think it would be Deshaun Watson. But some people think it's Josh Allen. And if that's the gap between one and two – it looks like the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl for for, for some years in a row here. Yep. But Josh Allen, great season, um, decent game, not terrible, not great. Threw another interception on the on a two point conversion. Um, he had a few. Uh, one of the balls he threw in the first quarter could have easily been intercepted as well up the sideline. But he's you know 
he ran well, made some throws. They got to figure out that running back position. And Diggs was pretty much tamed until the end of that. And then he was kind of, you know, on the back burner a little bit throughout the whole game. And like you said about the running game, Steve, they don't, they, I don't know if they need a running back. They don't even try to run the ball. <laughs> yeah, they really don't. And I don't know what they're going to do in the off season because a lot of teams, you know, what is their priority towards the running back position? If you're not the Vikings, Titans, or any of these, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, how important, how vital is it for you to get a running back? So I don't know. I think that the Bills do need to have some form of a running game going forward. You look at the Chiefs, they did have that. Uh, with, you know, either if it's Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Daryl Williams, whoever it may be, I still believe that you do need a run game to be successful. I got a couple takeaways for you, Teach, from this game. Let me start with number one, and then you can rebuttal. Tell me about it and tell me your takeaway. And then I've got one last one for you before we move on to the Super Bowl. My first takeaway is that the Bills will be back. Like, I know what I, I know what I have in the Chiefs. I, I've seen enough. Like I, I don't need to give you takeaways from the Chiefs. What I will tell you is I feel the same way about Buffalo like I did against the Chiefs back in 2019 when they lost to New England. And you kind of thought there and you were like, you know what, Brady, this is the last time he's going to beat Mahomes and who knows coming up here. But, you know, the whole D Ford offsides thing, you knew then and there the Chiefs are going to be back and they're going to be here to stay. I feel the same way. I, I think the Bills and Chiefs, that's going to be a really good rivalry for, for years to come, Teach. So I go away from that game saying, you know what? The Bills lost by you know two, two possessions here, but I still feel good about them. I think they'll be back next year. I think they'll be back if Deshaun Watson doesn't go to the Jets. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. Are we really going to get into some Jets right now? Come on, Teach. Okay. Give me your, you know that. I thought you had more takeaways. Uh, no, I wanted, you, I wanted to hear your takeaway. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you said I thought you had like a list of takeaways. My fault. I have one more, uh, but yeah, no, I wanted you to rebuttal okay, no, this. No, my, my my takeaway from that game, obviously, I could talk about the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are gonna win by a million no matter who they play. Um, my takeaway would be the Bills are fortunate that they have figured out exactly what they need to figure out at this point in time because <clears throat> defensively you need to get you need speed on the field when you play against the Chiefs right so if you're if you're Buffalo you're building at this point kind of like let me relate it to basketball it's like how the Rockets were against the Warriors right so the Rockets dedicated with Darren Moore, James Harden, Chris Paul, PJ Tucker, Joe like all those guys Eric Gordon they built their roster to compete against Golden State and they took them seven games right with Kevin Durant yep this Bills team has to take that approach where they have to mold their roster into beating Kansas city. They can't worry about, they can't worry about anything else. They need to mold their roster into exactly what they need to be Kansas city. Because I think even if Deshaun Watson goes to the Jets, I don't think the Jets will be ready to, you know, to really compete with Deshaun Watson in the first year going to the next year. I think the top two teams clearly or yeah, top two teams clearly would be uh, Kansas city and Buffalo. So Buffalo needs to take that Houston Rockets, you know, mentality and role and say, we're going to go for this. We're not going to shy away from it especially in a sport with a single-game elimination playoff setting, they need to construct their roster and do everything they could to match Kansas City in the offseason. Like that take a lot. I really do like that take, and I would agree with TJ on that. I think that they do need to kind of refine, tune up a little bit, and be a little bit more explosive because for the next, I want to say, eight years minimum, this is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And for Buffalo, you're there. You're not – quite there though so I, I think you retool in the offseason and I would I wouldn't be surprised if these two teams met in the AFC championship again my last takeaway here TJ I want to get into Andy Reid really quickly and what his legacy means going forward because I was looking at 
some some wins and some records and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, we know about Mahomes and he's going to chase Brady, but where does Andy Reid fall in all of this? Because Andy Reid is currently six all time in regular season wins with 221. And then he's got the fifth best playoff record in um the uh, in NFL history. He also has 17 wins in the postseason, which is fifth all time. And I'm looking at you know Andy Reid and thinking he's 62. He yeah. wins another Super Bowl here. You know, when do we start talking about like, oh, best coach ever? Yes, Bill Belichick, he's not gonna get to him. But then we think like Vince Lombardi, you know, you, you've got your 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 classics in um in Tom Landry and Don Shula. Like, where does Andy Reid's sort of legacy, like how how far of a ceiling does he have with the next couple of years with Mahomes in this team? I think he has GOAT potential. Like, Belichick is obviously the GOAT. But if you're looking at Andy Reid, 62 years old, all right, over the next five years, what would you set the Chiefs' titles at? Two and a half? Like, and, and he wins. So, say Andy Reid wins – two or three more championships before he retires. He's sitting on three or four rings. Yeah. Is there really an argument for anyone else to be the second best head coach of all time? Like, I, like if you well, they're going to say with, like Chuck Knoll or Tom Landry, Bill Walsh, like if people say Bill yeah, Walsh, Chuck Knoll, Bill Parcells, like, but in the modern era, I think you would, you know, you would have to say he went from Belichick to Andy Reid. And I think this is, you know, if he wins this game and then they, they go back to back and then they win another one or two over the next, you know, by the time he's 70 years old, I think Andy Bro, he's 62. He's, he's relatively young to like Pete Carroll, just to give you guys an idea of how old these coaches are, man, Pete Carroll's turning 70. Uh, Bill Belichick's turning 69 in April. Bruce Arians is 67. Zim is 64. I mean, from that standpoint, Andy Reid's a young boy. Yeah. Like he could end up, Andy Reid could end up here, Steve, with four or five, six rings. And the conversation gets really interesting as, as it goes on. People say, yeah, well, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Well, I think it's the match made in heaven, and I think Andy Reid has has chance at GOAT status. Okay, before we get into the Super Bowl, um, did you listen really closely to the announcers? Do you have any any uh, any feel or take on Joe Buck, Troy Aikman versus Jim Nance and Tony Romo really quickly? Sorry, Steve. I did not listen to the announcers because I was at work watching the games on Sunday, so I didn't have the volume on. Okay. I was just watching it from the desk at the TV. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman blow. Blow. Jim Nance and Tony Romo out of the water. Like, not even close. Not even, I'm, I'm done with Tony Romo. Done with Tony I Romo. saw Tony Romo saying that they're going to throw it to Tyreek, uh, to Travis Kelsey on a little out route. As yeah, Patrick I can Mahal tell you that. Threw, threw yeah. it, threw it to, no, he threw it to Tyreek Hill over the middle for a 70-yard gain. Yep. And then there you I, go. I was, like, I was like, okay, so if Romo was playing quarterback in that situation, he would check down. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> threw a dart over the middle to Tyree Kill, who turned into 70 yards. It's like, maybe that's the difference between Tyree Kill. I mean, the difference between <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Tony Romo. Let the game breathe, Tony. That's all I want to say. I don't know who gets the call. Does it go to CBS or NBC this year? I think it actually goes to CBS. Oh, God. I think we're actually going to get Nance and Romo. Dang it. All right. Anyway, <laughs> February 7th, where the stage is set, this is really, we're doing all NFL today. Um, maybe sprinkle in some some NBA. But uh, Chiefs, Bucks, Tampa, Couple of things I want to start off from the bat. Tom Brady's two losses in the Super Bowl have come to Steve Spagnola, and Spagnola is the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I think that's something. Oh, wow. I think that's something to sort of think about here. That you know, two of the three Super Bowl losses have come to Spags, and we know Spags is part of that New York Giant team that took him down twice. The big bad. 
New England Patriots. So I think that's something to sort of take into consideration, TJ Sparrow. That is actually a phenomenal point. I did not even think about that until you just said it. That is a great point. Um, I was, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game regardless. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to take them regardless. I just think – let me say this. I didn't say it during the uh, the Packers – the Packers-Bucks game breakdown we did. Um, it's, oh, it's funny to me, dude. Every year I feel like Tom Brady's team just isn't that great and they just end up in the Super Bowl. Like, I'm just like, ah, this team's not that great. Like, they're good. But I yeah. don't know if they're going to go to the Super Bowl. And they just always end up in the Super Bowl. This is his 10th Super Bowl. It's absolutely ridiculous. I tweeted, uh, 43-year-old Tom Brady goes back to the Super Bowl with his new team in their first season. <laughs> it's unbelievable when you like just write it out. You, we'll never see anything like Tom never. Brady again. Never. In that 10, 10 Super Bowls in, in, in a sport like this. Uh, just the fact that he got here is such a huge win. I don't care if he comes out and loses this game by 40. This is all it is only a legacy booster. Like Brady was the GOAT before this. He remains the GOAT. And that it's just great. If he loses to Mahomes by 21 here, Steve, will you take will that be on Tom Brady? No. No, no. 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 And I don't expect him to. He took the Bucks to the Super Bowl. First season in the NFC goes right Insane. through it. Very LeBron, very LeBron-esque. Five, five, five. The Lakers went through the West. Tom Brady, the GOAT. And people some people say the GOAT of all GOATs. I wouldn't argue it. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's That's crazy a good point. Teach. I want to get into that though, because I, I actually tweeted something too, where I was like, man, if, if Brady goes out and wins the Super Bowl, like, is it time to say that this man is the greatest athlete of all time? And I'm not saying from an athletic standpoint, I guess the, the proper way to say, is he the greatest winner of all time? Like forget Bill Russell. I don't, I don't care that he beat, you know, 11 rings against 10 teams. Um, I think if Brady, if Brady wins the Super Bowl, and this is number seven, and you win at 43 years old in your first year against the great Patrick Mahomes, like, man, what, what else does this man have to do? Like, even Jordan, like, what, what happened when Jordan left the Bulls? Like, he didn't do anything, and this was towards the end of his career. He freaking played for the Wizards, didn't lick the playoffs. You have Tom Brady who left and went to Tampa and is going to win his seventh Super Bowl. Like if we're excuse me, if we're talking the four major sports, right? And we're not like doing track or swimming with Usain Bolt or Michael Phelps or golf with Tiger Woods. If you're going the four major four, sports, yeah. hockey, yeah. baseball, basketball, football, I think, you know, Brady is already probably the goat of goats, but this would solidify it Easily. definitely. Unless LeBron wins like three or four more with the Lakers. Then there would be an argument, but seven rings and 10 appearances and you're 43 years old first season with a new team, new conference, and you win the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, the dream team chiefs. I think it would be uh I think it would solidify that goat of goat conversation, Steve. All right, let's get into the actual game of, of, of this on February 7th. I'll be completely honest with you, Tej. I would be really surprised if Tampa kept this between uh, you know, within a possession. I, I really, I, I think that, you look at last year and the Chiefs got off to a slow start and they still won. You don't hear that a lot with the Super Bowl. Like this is one game. A lot of times when teams get off to a slow start, they don't play their A game. They don't win. Chiefs play like a B, B plus game and they still won this. And Garoppolo had a chance to win on the deep throw. I forget who it was. But my my ideology right now, Tej, and my feel is like, look, the Chiefs aren't going to get off to a slow start like that. If this is a battle of who can score more, which it's probably going to be, Chiefs are going to win 10 out of 10 times. I like the Chiefs to win this game 31-21 and kind of just, 
I, I don't think we're going to really be as, as glued to the TV as everyone thinks we are. Steve, I agree with you. I think the Chiefs are – they're just too much. When you when this team played – when these two teams played earlier in the season, I know that doesn't really have much to do with anything, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers players, they didn't get faster. Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first quarter. <laughs> they're still not going to be able to cover him in this game. I, You know I love Tyron Matthew. One of my favorite props of every, you know, big game is a Tyron Matthew interception. It's always like plus 400 or a takeaway. Um, Steve Barthes' point, but Steve Spagnuolo knows how to play Brady in a Super Bowl. Um, I, I like the Chiefs in this one. Probably a similar score to you. I probably got them at, at like uh, like a 37 to 24 kind of a thing, kind sure. of a feel. Sure. I think, you know, the first time they played, it was a three-point game, yeah, but it was kind of a blowout. Then, you know, they got some garbage points at the end of the game. But I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with the Chiefs big in this one. Like I said, season was a super success. Would I, now, would I be shocked if the game is late in the fourth quarter? I still think Mahomes is going to pull it out, but – if Brady, if Brady's got a chance, Steve, I think you'll be glued to your seat. Like, I think if it's a seven-point game, Tom got the ball, 10 minutes left, we're going to be glued. I, I think we're going to be up there and be glued. No, I mean, I hope this is a great game, man. I, I really do. I I, I personally would have preferred a Rodgers versus Mahomes Super Bowl, but I still think that, you know, like you said, if it's if it's a one-possession game, which I don't think it will be, it wouldn't surprise me if the if if Brady leads them down and can force overtime or whatever. But I just think when you when you run it and you, and you do a, a best of seven, let's just take it in NBA terms, and you take it into basketball terms, you play a best of seven in this. I think the Chiefs win four one. Your thoughts on that? No, that that's what I would. That's right. What I would put it at. Like I, I think Tampa can Chiefs can mix five. it up. Chiefs you five. know. I, I think they can mix it up with with their defensive line. Like I thought that Jason Pierre-Paul played pretty well. And they've got a couple of dudes on that on that front four that's pretty elite. We'll see what happens with Antoine Winfield, my boy from Minnesota. I mean, they didn't seem like they missed him a, a ton, but he's definitely a staple to that defense and Todd Bowles. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I just ultimately, I don't think that they have enough uh, offensively to keep up with the Chiefs because it just – you look at their run last year with Kansas City – they went down double digits in every single game and ended up winning by double digits. Like that, that's not, how, how is that fair? Like you ultimately think, okay, they play an A game. This is going to be like a 20 point blowout. Yeah. No, I, I, I originally wanted to take the chiefs alternate line minus 14 and a half. It was only plus two ninety. What? So I was like, all right, I guess wow. Vegas kind of in on a blowout here too. But um, I don't know. Maybe the lines will swing. People, you know, narratives will pop up as we get closer to the game. I don't want to get into any of my bets or anything. I want to. We should probably do like a whole pod for that. Like that would be the next. Yeah, pod yeah, yeah. Get. Let's do that. We'll but, do that next week. Yeah, but we're we're pretty much set. Me and you are both set on this game being Chiefs. Chiefs pretty easily. All right, February seventh again, Sunday. Chiefs are three and a half point favorites. Really quickly, let me just uh, tell you about Manscape. Really, really quickly, Manscape.com uh, promo code Strom. I'm working. I, I listen. I got an email today, and they told me your sales are doing really well. It's one of the leaders on the on the network, and I know some of my boys have have purchased it again. Manscaped promo code Strom S T R O M. It's a great product. I got the you know I got it's a real phenomenal marketing. I don't have to tell you enough, TJ. You've heard how good Manscaped is. I mean, they, you know people that have it yourself. Yeah. No, Manscaped is top tier. <laughs> Top tier. It sounds like, oh, why would I need that? Trust me. You definitely do. Manscaped top tier. Coach Strong.
All right. Uh, last couple minutes here. Me and TJ like to just shoot the bull. Uh, any any thoughts on Bachelor? Did you did you watch it last night? The, uh, I, I told you Brianna was dressing one of the girls in The Bachelor, right? Yes. Yeah, what what's one? Which one is her again? She got knocked out. Which one? Do you know? Do you remember her name? I, I don't know her name. Dang it. She got she got sent home though. Brianna said she wasn't aggressive enough. She was she was too shy. But no, Steve, I have not been watching The Bachelor. Usually, I would go to Brianna's house on those Monday nights and watch it, but. Uh, I close on Monday nights. I'm at work till 11 now, so I have not been able to watch it this season. You know, you, you used to tell me you got to get into The Bachelor, and then I finally do, and then you're not watching anymore. Like, at least record it for me. You got to give me something on the pod. I need your take on Matt James. Oh, no, I know about Matt James. He doesn't seem like that. a bachelor to me. Like, I don't is, is that how it works? This is my first time watching Teach, so kind of just give me a feel. Do they usually kind of put – the, the you know the guys that are you know shy or 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 they put so, guys on there that are kind of like womanizers all right so the bachelor and bachelorette are always this is the first time ever that it hasn't been this but they are always people from previous seasons okay so the like if you're a, if you're the bachelorette it's because you were on someone else's season usually it's from the previous season right like someone who made it far has a pretty strong following fan base people like them throughout the seasons like okay. so for example the girl the bachelorette Hannah who everyone really liked people uh she was on Colton season from the season before and then someone who Hannah eliminated was the next bachelor right so like that's how it goes usually this guy, Matt James, was just friends with a lot of the people who were on The Bachelor and Bachelorette and, like, hung out in that crew. So they chose him to be The Bachelor. Wow. So, so this is, like, a newer never, thing. Yeah, yeah. So he's he doesn't have, like, The Bachelor slash Bachelorette experience. So usually the Bachelor or Bachelorette could relate to what's going on with the people in the show. But this guy can't because he's never experienced it. So maybe that's why the dynamic is a little off. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I definitely, I'm like, well, this guy is too nice. Like, I don't know. He just doesn't see, he seems very overwhelmed. Um, and I don't want to spoil it because I was going to talk to you about it, but you haven't watched. So I don't want to spoil no, it I for not, you. I've not watched it yet. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm into it. I like it. It's it's, it's decent, you know, it's decent. It, it, it entertains you. It, it provides what you would think it provides, right? Like just kind of uh, entertainment, stupidity. And um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of about it because I don't believe that you can actually like find someone okay that you love to marry on a, on a show. Welcome to having a girlfriend, Steve. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anything <laughs> else teach, uh, in the sports world, NBA wise, you want to get out? Oh, LeBron, uh, your boy, oh, LeBron went off yesterday. Yeah. It's just Steve. He's shooting 41% from three on six and a half attempts a game. All right. Like, Shannon. It's not, it's just at this point, it's just, it's, is it, it's just crazy. Like no one cares. LeBron, like, I tweeted last night. LeBron's really about to win the MVP. Like, like, how? How is this still happening? We're 18 years in. He's the best player in the world. It's And if he's if – he's, and when he's not going to be the best player in the world, people – I saw a great tweet yesterday. People thought, oh, you know, I thought old man LeBron's game was going to be like this post-up four. But it's like this point guard shooting six-and-a-half threes a game who's cash and can shoot from the logo kind of a guy. <laughs> like, it's exactly. it just – it's unbelievable, dude. It's unbelievable. The Lakers are the best team in the world. It's the most fun watch every single night. It is unbelievable what they're doing. Anthony Davis needs to wake up, but that's really all I got on <laughs> on the Lakers. Anthony Davis needs to wake up a little bit, and LeBron is just 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 creating and adding new things to his bag on the daily basis. Really quickly, and I'll let you go. Connor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, did you were you able to check in I on did, that? I, I, thought, I thought Connor, 
McGregor actually looked good. Like people were like, oh, he should retire. I thought he looked pretty good until he got knocked out. I guess maybe that that's a poor fight analysis. I don't know. I, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Sharp. Yeah. I thought he looked sharp. I, I felt like he was really trying to box, though, this time around. I don't know. He's kind of selling out for me a little bit. Now he's going to go fight Pacquiao. And he's kind of, listen, God bless him. He's a billionaire probably. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like he looked pretty decent. He, he looked like he was really trying to box instead of doing this thing on the ground. But give credit to Borea, I guess. I, I did not think he would knock him out. Like, I don't, I didn't think that. I thought he would beat him in like a submission, kind of like what Khabib did. But I don't, I really, I'm not going to sit there and pretend like, you know, I'm Dana White. I have no idea when it comes to like UFC stuff. I just kind of watch and just kind of yeah. flutter out whatever comes. No, super, super casual, um, super casual breakdown of, of the fight. But uh, I thought that that Conor McGregor looked sharp enough. I thought this guy Poirier looked good as well. Like he took some big shots in that fight, but I think with, with McGregor, like, you know, I guess people are like, Oh, you get super washed really fast in this sport. And I understand how that happens and how quick it could be over for someone, you know, after they lost, it just kind of didn't have that competitive edge that he used to have. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he, he doesn't look mean, he used to be like crazy, like getting into the ring, the way he walked. And well, you lose back. that edge teach when you get to the top. That's yeah, why it's so I hard to keep it up. I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I hope I see him fight again. Like, I, if the next time Conor McGregor fights, I'm going to watch it. So, <laughs> like, I I, he, I think he's going to fight again. I think he'll fight multiple times again. Yeah. I, th- I think I think he'll end up fighting Jake Paul as well, which will be hilarious. All right, Teach, wrap this thing up. It's been a pleasure today. <laughs> Everybody, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. Make sure to go get your Manscaped products and use code STROM. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Manscaped. We'll catch you boys on the next one. Peace, everybody.